0: Drummer Podcast. In this episode, we talk to Stephen Perkins of the influential band Jane's Addiction. Jane's broke out of the LA Underground in the mid 80s and quickly became revered for their unique mix of alternative, psychedelic, and heavy rock styles. In late 2014, the band performed a number of shows that featured their breakout 1988 album, Nothing Shocking, in its entirety. We spoke to Stephen about that iconic album, just as he was getting ready to perform a duet with Tim Alexander of Primus at the Guitar Center Drum Off Finals. About two months before we recorded the record, Warner Brothers had us go record every song that we had with a guy named Mark Lynette and we did Three Days and Stop and a lot of songs that ended up on Ritual and we did everything that ended up on Nothing Shocking as well, we had everything. The only thing was lacking was maybe Caught Stealing wasn't written and uh, Then She Did. A few songs were still kind of waiting to be penned, so to speak, but most of our music was done. So we had three days, and Ted Just Admit It, both of those ready to go. We recorded about 30 songs, and Warner Brothers picked the tunes they wanted on our first record. We were happy with to pick any of the tunes, and we would work out the order of the record when the time came. So when they picked the, the songs that they wanted on Nothing Shocking, two of them were from our first Triple X record, Jane Says and Pigs and Zen. We went through the little course of picking the best producer that would fit our noise. We met some great hotshots and we had a a wonderful list, but turned out Dave Jordan was engineer for the Bush of Ghost record, Brian, uh, Brian Eno and David Byrne recording, and also the last Talking Heads record. So he brought a guy named Ronnie Champagne as his engineer, who also was a guitar player who had tons of guitar gear. So we knew the songs, then we had the team, and there was a recording studio next to the palace in Hollywood called El Dorado. And they had a great Neve board and a lot of good old gear. And we moved in, and who was in the same studio was DJ Bonebreak from X, the drummer, making his marimba record. You know, I love X, and there he is. And uh, we had the Cats and Fishbone and Chili Peppers hanging out. And basically, we recorded, as any young band who had a bunch of money, we rented every timpani, church bells, sitars, guitars, acoustic, every mic. We really spent every penny they gave us to make the most creative, you know. We were a punk rock band on stage, and we were tight, but we never had a chance to explore with that musical fabric that the studio offers, you know, if you really get a good chance to, especially if the songs call for it, you get a chance to explore it, like Summertime or Ted Just Admit It. So we had a chance to explore this great, I guess, new instrument, the studio. So we would go in and uh, play our songs and get the toughest versions and not overdo it and then have a lot of fun in the post recording, you know, exploration and Perry doing whispers and me doing timpani rolls and maybe getting some bongos or cowbells and doing overdubs and trying to make it a little more tribal still having that rock element. you know what i hear when i listen back is a good old fashioned rock band that would would play you know any club from here to you know jersey but then had a chance to explore you know their their beach boys and beatles and some of the stones and some of the great moments in production where rock and production you know becomes i guess a new a new element for what the band could be on stage Van Halen, Sabbath, Zeppelin. But getting in a band and in the studio made me realize Joy Division and Bauhaus and Susie, how important those those choices are. Because, you know, you hear Charlie Watts and Ringo do it, but it's on the radio so much, you don't even notice how great those are. You know, you listen to Charlie Watts, he has so many cool beats. Listening back, it's, it's so creative, and that's where Echo and and Susie and those bands took that to the next kind of esoteric level where, you know, the music and the melody weren't quite as important as it was back in the day. So, you know... That studio experience, listening back, would I play different? I hope not, because I love what I did, but it's good to know you can get better. Just as Days of Confused compared to Cashmere, I mean, they're both amazing, but the editing he does for Cashmere is quite different than what he did for Days of Confused, you know? There was you a Buddy Rich performance on Days of Confused and more of a (laughs) funk performance on Cashmere. I love hearing that in the experience of making a record. record was for them to prove exactly what was happening in LA, G&R went to Tom Zutat and Geffen and Jane's addiction was the other side of the coin in LA. We were going to change things. and there was the sense that we can coexist because the strip was over with you know rat and poison and, and G&R was kind of the end of the strip and the motley, but their scene would end at midnight, 1 a.m. Our scene with the Chili Peppers and Fishbone and Minutemen and Firehose would start at 1 a.m. So their scene was actually welcome in our scene. They were there drinking, not playing. We were the band for their party. And that was there was a good little community where Fishbone and GNR and and the Chili's and Jane's, they were all there together. It was competitive. Fishbone and Chili's had more of a sense of humor with the funk. GNR was bringing that Aerosmith, you know, booze rock. James Addiction was a hybrid of something brand new. record deal was a, a seven record deal. So that's 10 years of our life if Jane's Addiction stayed together. So we gave him two and broke up. But Warners really wanted to put us on Sire because Sire had replacements, pretenders. They thought the art department and the production and the promotion there would be better fit. But really wanted to be on Warner. So they had a lot to chew off too. What are they going to do with Jane's Addiction? We got to hand it to Perry and Eric because me and Navarro were just 18 when we joined. Perry was 26 and Eric was 24. It's kind of hard to play with teenagers at that age. You know? And we were like, Iron Maiden, Van Halen, you know, speed is important, chops, and that's it. You know? They, they were like, okay, you can do that, but can you stop doing that? What happens when you, you know? Eric wrote most of the songs, acoustic guitar, and then kind of transcribed them into his bass lines. There was this Jane says type of songwriting where they'd sit, repeat a guitar part, Harry would do a little poem. Bounce song, Had a Dad, Jane says, Summertime, pigs. Da-dun, ch-da-dun, ch-da-dun. Let me tell you about the pigs, you know, and he tell you a story. And then when me and Dave showed up, we're like solo, drum fill. And we became more of kind of the arranger, you know, inspired by Peace of Mind by Iron Maiden. You know what I'm saying? We were like, gotta be parts. They had this great story, and we had this great urge to make noise. is not accustomed to studio editing. So, you know, maybe a, a, a tad of overplaying in the spirit of Keith Moon in the studio, opposed to Steve Gadd, you know? And Eric is such a serious bass player. When he plays Mountain Song, that's that's the bass line. not gonna vary. And he plays it, and he lays back, and it's kind of like a rocking ship or someone trying to put you in a cradle to sleep. <laughs> helped me find my drum sound by giving me such a great swing, because I'm a swing drummer, they like me to straighten out sometimes, but of course Buddy, and then Bill Ward, and Bonham, and Mitch Mitchell, it's all swing, but he was really like a bigger, slower kind of a sway. Jane's Addiction has that sway. I can play with Navarro and do Aerosmith. It sounds great. But when we do a Jane song, it sounds like Jane's Addiction. It's just it sways differently. There is some very fine line of of even the funk, rigid, linear stuff that we did, Idiot's Rule or some of the stuff that kind of is boxy, still has that groove. The West Coast, on the beach, Everything's okay, type of thing. You know, it's not. It's not go home and you know kick the tree over on the way home and, and you know vandalize. it's go home and, and make love to your girl. It's groovy, and that's and that's cool because the lyrics are dark and the music is dark, but there's still a sense that everything's okay. You know, we're here together somehow. Thanks for listening to the Modern Drummer Podcast. This episode was produced by Adam Badovsky. Executive producer was E.J. Dekoski. To learn more about all of Modern Drummer's productions, go to moderndrummer.com. You could also follow us at Facebook, Instagram, and other major social media. See you next time.